Hello, dear listeners, as we welcome you to another special edition of $5 Buzz. I am your host, Peter Liska, and I am joined by my co-host, live from the famous brewery artist loft in Los Angeles, the Roger Mayer. How are you, Roger? Hey, good afternoon, good evening, and hi to everybody else. <laughs> and of course, as always, George, the wizard of rock, Kursar. <laughs> Actually, we should call him the wizard of the spoof, Kursar. <laughs> uh i do have some Uh, citrus tonight and uh i know uh some of the (laughs) folks uh i'm I'm really happy to see everybody i'm glad to see everybody's doing good and uh you know uh i'm uh excited to be reunited with folks uh it's been a long time so uh yeah doing great excellent uh well this episode is going to be a little different as you will hear tonight we are discussing a big c word cancer It's a general word for a group of diseases that involve abnormal cell growth that can invade or spread to other parts of the body. They are not all the same. Some are more dangerous than others. Some go away easy. Some come back again and again. In 2020, an estimated 1.8 million new cases of cancer were diagnosed in the United States, and approximately 600,000 people died from the disease. Today, we have three wonderful guests. all of one thing in common is that they either have or have had cancer um, however all three are completely different give a warm buzzard welcome to the lovely sarah shapiro hello <laughs> tom buzzard at large glasgow ah, great. <laughs> always great to be amongst the buzzards yes dude welcome and uh the legend of Pasico, the one and only mike vale Hello. First time, long time. First time, long time. <laughs> Young Goodman Vale. Good to see you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they will, uh, these guys will each, uh, thank you very much, guys. Um, they will each have the floor tonight to tell us about their experiences, some painful, some very descriptive, and some very humorous, and sometimes all three at once. After we hear from everyone, we'll have a little group discussion and talk about ideas to possibly help those who are or know someone going through it. And tonight, without further ado, Mike, how are you? I'm great, Pete. How are you doing? I'm great, man. It's great uh, to good, see you. Thank good you to for... see you as well, and George, and <laughs> yes, nice to meet Sarah and Roger, and Tom's in the other room, so uh, it's good to, good to be with you guys. <laughs> it's Maybe he'll to teach you the Rhode Island fight song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always love circling back. <laughs> love. Um, you know, Mike, let's, you know, I spoke with you briefly the other night, and uh, learned a little bit more about your circumstances but um i think the best thing we could do right now is basically start right at the beginning how did you first of all if you could just describe your diagnosis and 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 how you found out your diagnosis sure yeah this was back in uh may of 2008 so we're talking about 13 years ago now and uh, I was living in Saratoga Springs, upstate New York, with a few friends of mine, and uh, not doing much, just hanging out, having fun. And uh, yeah, it was the beginning of May. I just turned 31 in March, uh, that previous March, a couple of months before. So um, little things, started noticing little things uh, physically. Uh, the first thing I started noticing was these little red dots started showing up all over my upper th- thighs and uh there's a name for it Takata picata there's a name there's a name for these particular red dots 
uh, so about three or four days, I'm just noticing these dots, and yeah, it's kind of strange, but I have sensitive skin. You know, you thought maybe it was uh, not really much of a big deal. Um, as the week went on, I started to notice that I, my breathing, I uh, was having a lot of trouble breathing, uh, walking up the stairs in the apartment, up to my bedroom, I'd, I'd run out of breath. Uh, walking down the, the, uh, the sidewalk, uh, just to put an envelope in the mailbox, I'd run out of breath just on, you know, flat level ground. Just not, yeah, I mean, my lifestyle, you know, it's like, maybe it has something to do with that. I'm just out of shape, you know, something like this, just smoking too many cigarettes, something like that. Uh, no, nah, as, as, as the days went on, I, it was, it was something more than that. You know, it was, uh, like really panting, you know, like, wow, I'm running out of breath. This is something's really, really wrong. So, uh, I remember I called my mom and, uh, you know, started just kind of telling her what was going on. And, you know, right away she, she, uh, she knew something was drastically wrong. So the next morning she was down there, took me to the uh, emergency room in Saratoga at the Saratoga hospital. And, uh, within 15 minutes, you know, they took my blood and uh, checked accounts and all that. And, the doctor came back in and said, I've never seen platelet counts this low. Wow. And uh, within an hour, I was on a gurney um, in the back of an ambulance. They said, this is too much. Like there's something like the, the, the word leukemia had already kind of come up. And this is, this is where we're going at. So they put me in the back of an ambulance to, go, to get me down to uh, Albany Med. And this was on May 10th of 2008. And it was a Saturday and it was Tulip Festival. And anybody who lives down in the Albany area knows the Tulip Festival is this, you know, kind of a big deal. So the ambulance is uh, fighting its way through all the festival goers. And we get to the, the hospital and, uh, you know, within an hour, they knew that something was, was, was really not, not right. Um, and the diagnosis of ALL, uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, came back within like probably 12 to, you know, 18 hours. Wow. Um, so the talk of getting the chemo going was like right away. I mean, like all of this is now in the back of my head, I'm like, I knew something was, was wrong, but not this wrong, you know? So uh, the day is going on. I'm thinking to myself like, wow, this is, this is quite something. So uh, the next day, uh, the doctor, uh, great guy, Dr. Alan Rausch, now retired at Albany Med, he was doing some more research with my, uh, with my blood counts and looking under the microscope. And he came back with some worse news than just the leukemia uh, diagnosis. He told me, I also had this thing called the Philadelphia chromosome, which uh, is a very rare blood disorder uh, disease that, that only... Uh, appears in patients with uh, blood cancer uh, type of situations. So he said, on top of this leukemia, you have this chromosome where he's like, I can't remember exactly. It was, it was really strange. It's like something like your fourth chromosome is breaking off and going to join one of the oh other ones. Goodness. You know, he's like, it's deadly. It, it, this is deadly. And because of that, um, I had to go and get a, uh, a stem cell transplant, an allergenic stem cell transplant. Now, if the Philadelphia chromosome weren't there, um, the leukemia, they said, most likely could have been taken care of with just uh, radiation and chemotherapy. 
I say just, that's still heavy duty. That's incredible. <laughs> but uh, because of this uh, chromosome disorder, I had to uh, get the stem cell transplant. So in October of that year, um, they, they- Oh, eight, we're talking Oh, eight, so? yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, October, they spent all summer trying to find a match for me. And they finally did, a, you know, two or three months. And some people wait years to find a match. And uh, yeah, so I was fortunate enough. They gave me a call uh, about the end of August or so, well, probably mid-August of 08, and uh, said that they had found a match for me. And uh, so what happened, I went down at the end of September, and they prepped me for this stem cell transplant. And by prepping me, basically what they did was completely wipe me out and kind of turn me into a bubble boy in a way. Uh, a massive chemo already uh, going into it, but I, uh, I hadn't had any radiation until I got down to Sloan Kettering. And uh, that's when I, uh, I had 13 sessions of uh, pretty heavy duty radiation and they pretty much just wiped me out, you know, just. The whole deal uh, to, to start me anew. Uh, anybody that came into my room had to have full, uh, you know, kind of a spacesuit type of thing. Uh, so that happened in October, on October 2nd of 2008, kind of my second birthday. And uh, about a month later, they let me go. Um, but I had to stay in New York. I had to stay in Manhattan for four months as an outpatient, uh, very close to the hospital. They, they want to keep a, for about a hundred days or so, they want to keep a really tight eye on you. Got to, I had to go there every day. Uh, my mom was with me, by the way, just to, uh, just to throw that out there. She was with me the whole time. She stayed in the room with me. Uh, she wasn't stayed in the uh, room of the outpatient with me. You know, it's quite a bit of quite a bit uh, to talk about there with all the support that uh, she gave me. Uh, during all this time, I also want to talk about the support that all my friends gave me. Uh, all you guys, I know, uh, are, are, I know our listeners can't see this, but I'm just going to show it up for you guys. This uh, shirt that Tom gave me, our buddy oh. Tom, who's in the other room, <laughs> Team Vail. Yeah. Hersar, Liska. Yes. All your names are on there. Because you all you all sent money. Tom ran in the New York City Marathon for me oh. to raise money. Absolutely incredible. Uh, when you hear Tom in a little bit, uh, you, you know, running in a marathon, to, I, the, the support was incredible. All you guys, everybody. Uh, it, well, that that's a whole separate side. I guess uh, I'll, I'll uh, stick with the uh... funny story about that T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> so anybody that contributed money to the the Veil Fund, I wrote their name on the shirt and then wore the shirt oh, for yes. the marathon, and, like in honor. And uh, having never run a marathon before, I didn't realize <laughs> that people put their name on their shirt so people can cheer them on as they go, right? <laughs> I didn't know this. Had I known this, I would have worn a different shirt because people were like, hey, curse our Liska, uh, uh, Freddie, Johnny, Billy. Uh, I don't know who the hell you are. You know? So uh, 50 names was, on that shirt. Yeah. That's great. Oh man. It was my privilege to run it though. Oh, I'll never great. run another one. My mom, I was still, I was up on the uh, 18th floor of Sloan Kettering because I, I couldn't leave the, the room for, many weeks so my mom went down on the sidewalk and uh tom ran right by gave her a big hug and uh, you know, that's right the, the marathon goes right by the hospital there yeah. right up was the first avenue yeah 
That's it. Yeah, right up first. Exactly. Driver. That's right. I yeah. remember that. That's amazing. That's yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible story. So, uh, so anyway, where were we? So, uh, yeah, I had to stay down there um, until mid-January of 09. Then I finally got home for good. And so that was the really the meat and potatoes of the uh, all my hospital proceed. Well, not not all my hospital, but the, the main like the beginnings of it all. Uh, what happened was uh, afterwards, I, really a lot of side effects from the procedures, from the medicine, uh, a lot of uh, steroids, uh, this type of thing. Um, the side effects actually are still affecting me um, 13 years later. Uh, I still go to Sloan Kettering every three months. Um, they keep a tight eye on me. Uh, things are good, just to throw that out there. Uh, I don't have leukemia. Um, and my doctor at Sloan Kettering, who I've been with for 13 years now, told me that the chances of me getting leukemia are very slim. That being said, I am susceptible to other types of cancer. Um, so I've been seeing the dermatologist down there, uh, some skin issues and things like that. But it's, uh, you know, you just have to change the lifestyle. Uh, not too much, <laughs> but uh, diet, exercise all the, uh, the the same standard stuff that uh that they tell you but uh i you know i i had wondered why it happened you know i was 31 years old and i, I remember asking a doctor uh, second or third day i was in there and you know he said to me it's it was in your body it was going to happen at some point he said you know to you lucky it didn't happen when you were younger or older because you were at an age where your body could really handle all the all the shit we're going to throw into you basically all the you know chemo all the poison and necessary stuff but your body can handle it and uh yeah this is a lot of well, it's, it gets it gets into a personal type of thing like that you know and you, it's uh it's different for everybody i'm sure sarah and tom will will let will, will say the same type of thing but uh you know it's uh it's a personal journey for everybody um but the after the the i thought you know I, I wasn't quite sure it's like all right after i get back home and give it six months i'll get a little bit better and well after six months things were getting better but when i started to notice my mouth got really uh my mouth was getting these sores and it was kind of painful and tough to eat and so uh my next doctor's appointment doctor's looking in there and I was diagnosed with chronic graft versus host disease, which I still have. So graft versus host disease, I'm the host. Um, somebody's cells were grafted into to me and my body, even all these years later, is still uh, kind of fighting, on, like kind of rejecting trying, slash. Yeah, trying to accept. Exactly. Uh, wow. So it kind of centered itself in my mouth. Uh, so that was the biggest um side effect the biggest issue afterwards um i lost weight it was tough for me to eat a lot of things uh you know spicy uh hot cold um you name it uh toothpaste I, you know children's toothpaste because it's not uh, uh you know my mouth could handle it uh so that was one thing, but many other side effects. Uh, and they had told me about most of them, that these were probably gonna happen. Cataract surgery in both eyes, um, really some eye, really tough eye issues there for a couple of years. Were you worried about losing your vision? 
was that not was that was that a discussion um, on the table i mean that's a big really. that's a pretty big deal no it is no. It, it is a big deal but i didn't it, i didn't because most of the people that get cataract surgery are like you know 70 80 years old and they're they're going in there no problem getting this and if they, they, they can do it then but you know uh i remember the ophthalmologist saying to me yeah, i don't normally see people your age in here uh wow and it's a buildup. It's a buildup, right? That they have to kind of relieve the pressure as the surgery, essentially. As I, I think as I that's glaucoma. Oh, I that's think glaucoma. That's glaucoma. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a different. This is like everything was fuzzy and blurry, and it was like tough to drive. Right. And yeah, it was, it was uh, also uh, neuropathy in my feet. They fried the uh, radiation, kind of fried all the um, all the nerve endings in my feet, and my hands, and my feet were pain, or my hands were painful for a for a little bit, but they got that didn't last my feet though on the other hand uh that still goes on uh, neuropathy um i also the one of the biggest problems i was on this uh people out there who have taken prednisone this steroid called prednisone they they know it's a it's a it's a pretty hardcore steroid it, it does good things it does the things that it's supposed to do but it also can do really a lot of damage to you. So what this, uh, I was on a heavy dosage of this prednisone, the steroid for, you know, a solid two years up to this point. And this is probably when I was about 35, I started to notice some uh, pain in my hip and then the pain got worse and worse. So I uh, told my doctor about it and sure enough, the steroid had caused uh, this thing called avascular necrosis where no blood was getting to the top of my hip. So at 36 years old, I had to get my left hip replaced, um, which was obviously kind of a, you know, <laughs> a pain in the butt. I was able, it was, I we got it replaced. Uh, therapy went well. Uh, everything was fine. Uh, about a year and a half ago, December 2019, I went out for a walk at the end of my driveway, slipped on the ice, broke the hip, had to get the hip replaced, oh <laughs> get the replacement gosh. replaced. So kind of on the third hip on the uh, left side, uh, skinny, you know, a lot of side effects, but the thing is, is that I'm here talking to you guys. Yeah. Like, I don't care it's about a, It's incredible, man. Like, I mean, you, you can know. throw anything at me. Like the, my whole thing, the whole time was like, what do I do next? Like, wh what's the next step? Like, I'm not thinking behind. I'm thinking like, I never thought I was going to die from the leukemia. I never thought anything like that it was always just like what's next and when can i go home and you know that kind of stuff um and these side effects are all attributed to you know basically just a sheer attack on your immune system basically right i mean yeah, that, exactly that, it's all just a chain reaction one thing i mean hopefully with any luck it, the chain is slowing down would yeah. we hope right yeah i still go every three months and the reason uh for that frequency uh, you know uh, even 13 years out uh, my this trial drug that i'm taking uh just to kind of help the uh, fight this chronic graft versus host disease in my mouth it, so i don't take steroids anymore i take this other drug and it's been it's been working out and so she's weaning me off of that i'm thinking that hopefully as time goes on maybe i can go down every six months instead of every three months. But like I said, they keep, this is Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. I mean, this is like top of the line. They, yeah. if they want me there, I'm, I'm going, you know, like I I, bet, I, yeah. I'm not the type, I'm also not the type of patient who uh, ever went home and questioned like anything my doctor said and never like typed in, 
you know, medications or procedures, whatever they told me to do, I did. No questions asked. And uh, I'm here talking to you guys, you know, so. Uh, uh, tell you, man, it's really incredible. I mean, um, the one question I would have right off the bat is, so how long from 2008 when you were diagnosed could, did you, I mean, I don't know if you rang the bell as they say, but, you know, how long was the cancer experienced for you? Because you're cancer free, right? We can right. almost over the cancer free, I, right? I would, I would have to say that when they did, yeah. Well, some skin issues, uh, some minor uh, basal cell carcinoma, uh, some mild, mild skin cancers, nothing to get too, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, the heavier duty stuff, leukemia, no. Uh, I would think that when they wipe me out, um, you know, when they did that pre that prelim for the stem cell transplant, everything was gone. The, the Philadelphia chromosome. Um, I mean, that's like a, you know, I was thinking afterwards, I'm like, geez, it kind of a, a cure-all for a lot of things. Amazing. Uh, it's just not easy. It's <laughs> just a, <laughs> quite a, but here's the thing, you know, I remember being up like on that 18th floor in Stone Kettering and, uh, I was lucky. Yeah, you know, I say I was lucky. There were there were people on that floor who their their first stem cell transplant didn't take. So they had to go through the whole thing again. Or their second one didn't take. And then there's bone marrow transplant. It's it's type of kind of similar type, you know. They on their third or fourth one, like, oh my goodness, my first one worked. And uh, you know. The uh, the donor was in a my brother was I have a, I have one brother you know, one sibling a brother and he wasn't a match and that's not abnormal so uh, the person they found uh, at the time was an anonymous thirty nine year old male so there's a psychological aspect like they don't want to tell you who the person is because like if I pass away like you know if we you get a connection and then like I pass away like he may you know there, there's a psychological aspect to it so there. We're, we're many years into it last year i asked my nurse about it and she actually uh got the information the guy well he's not 39 anymore 52 or whatever but uh he's from germany and uh it's just up to me now to get in touch with him and i gotta do that to, do you have his contact info i gotta get it from her she said well, there's one That's step incredible. left this to, yeah so i'm like i gotta do it you know i was like why not hey, yeah. thanks man you know <laughs> but, uh, the, yeah, so boom. anyway uh do you guys have any any questions i'm sure there's a lot that i didn't go over but uh mike i, re I think um it was either you or pete were saying that there might be an opportunity for you to do some type of uh uh speaking uh based on your experiences is that is that accurate is that something yeah. you're uh, pursuing yeah, actually, um, yeah, my nurse, when I was, I've been talking to her about a few different things. Uh, yeah, I, the last couple of years, I, I just started uh, just sending some money back, you know, donating back to them. Uh, it's, they've been so good. So uh, talking to her about things like that. And then uh, she, she said to me, uh, I think you'd be perfect for just to come in to talk to people who have been or who are presently going through uh, what 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 uh, what I had gone through, uh, because she said that at the, right now there's a couple people doing it and they're, they're in their 70s. And uh, she said, which is great that there's people doing it. But, you know, if you, you got somebody in your 20s or 30s, it might not 
it's easier to connect to somebody a little bit younger. Um, and I had been thinking about doing some kind of volunteer thing like that for a while. I remember when I was in Solon Kettering, a person coming in and playing guitar. This guy's bringing in to, to my room and playing guitar. He wasn't that good, but <laughs> it was great. You know, it's like made me feel good. You know, I was like, shout out some some uh, some tunes and he played them, you know, and it was like, uh, so I was thinking like that might be something good. But again, there's a psychological aspect. Like, am I ready to, you know, what if I go in and I'm like, hey, you know, this person, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then a month later they they pass away. I'm like, oh man, it, like, I'm, I'm a sensitive, you know, it, it's, it can take an emotional toll. And I don't know if, if no doubt about that. That being said, I, it's, it's, it's a maturity level, you know, and it seems like something that I'm ready to do and that I should do. So it's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't um, go on without mentioning something you told me the other day that I got to bring up and I'll, I'll allow you to tell it. But when you were at Albany med, someone on this podcast wrote you a letter every day. And yes. I found that to be an amazing story. I'd love for you to yes. share. If you, if I, I hate to put you on the spot. But no, no, it's, no. it's one of the best yeah. things I've ever heard. Now, my, my, my great friend, Tom Glasgow, who uh, you'll be hearing from soon. And in fact, I, I, I looked for, there, I, think, uh, I think I know where they are, but uh, I kept all my letters and cards and pictures and everything that, that everybody sent me uh, while I was in the hospital and afterwards. And I, I can't throw that stuff out. I mean, this is very, it's personal, you know, it's, uh, in fact, I remember the only, the one time that I, that I cried when I was in the hospital, the whole time, like the whole time, the one time that I cried was when I was getting these cards and letters and I, I realized how much people loved me, you know, and I was like, wow, it took me to get leukemia to <laughs> realize that, but all these great cards and everything, but uh, I was in Albany Med for about 25 days, 26 days, that first rip, and uh, Tommy Glasgow, every day I got a card from him. And it wasn't just like, uh, you know, it, every day was a different card. Like one day it was, and I was looking for them. I wish I, I wish I had found them because they, every one of them were hilarious. You know, you know, mm. you guys know Tom. Yeah. So, and every card was different. You know, you were going to do a Darth Vader card or, you know, whatever, happy, uh, you know, bar mitzvah, whatever. Every card was there. <laughs> every, but every day I got one. It wasn't every other day. It wasn't. And, uh, um, his, Tom's brother was a uh, was a nurse at uh, Albany Med at the time. Maybe he still is. And uh, he, he, Tom would mail the cards, and his brother would bring. Every day I got a card, and every day it was something different in there. And every day it was hilarious, and every they were funny. And uh, you know that's what. Uh, well, I, it, uh, Tom and Allison, that, that first day that I was diagnosed, they were on their way to Saratoga. Our friend. Uh, our friend of the show, Jeff Grayballs Grabiel, uh, was was graduating from uh, grad school, so his party was that night. And I remember asking the the nurse, like, "So I can't go to my buddy's party tonight?" She's like, uh, "Not only can you not go to the party, you can't leave this room." Uh, so I call Tom and Allison, like, "Hey, I can't make it to the party." They're like, "What's up?" I'm like, oh, "I got leukemia in the hospital." Uh, so uh yeah that was a uh, a stunning weekend and uh we stopped on our way and saw him and uh you know it was uh it was it was brutal 
it was brutal it was uh but it was we we got to have some beers with some fellow uh pot stammers so um, we drank in Mike's honor that night heavily. Yeah, actually, it brought people together. See, yeah. <laughs> good thing. Well, I tell you, what, I tell you what, guys, like just the just the um, just the spirit of what you're doing is exactly the kind of thing we want to we want to get out. I mean, you're you know, Tom to write those letters. I yeah, you get I got goosebumps when you told me that story the other day. I got it again today. Oh, and he ran in the marathon me, for the, me. The, and in the marathon and the, and the support and the friendship. I mean, uh, wouldn't a, really anyone sit down and write a full length letter every day? I feel like that's a standard operating procedure. <laughs> you know, I, I find it's very normal, you know. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Mike, that was great. Um, I know. Uh, We've got a, uh, we're up against a clock here as always. They're always uh, coming in, pointed at their wristwatch here. But uh, yeah. <laughs> one sorry, thing I, sorry if I rambled a bit there. No, not at all, man. At uh, all, it's man. Uh, one thing I remember, uh, I'll keep this quick. Uh, I remember Glasgow was going to run the marathon. I remember like, Tommy, you training? He goes, not at all. He goes, I'm drinking <laughs> right. beer and smoking cigs <laughs> every right. weekend. Like going yeah, in just I was stone like a, cold. a week before he goes, he goes, I asked him the same thing, but a week before he goes, I, I just did a half marathon the other day. He's like, I almost, I pretty, I think I got it down. <laughs> that's amazing, dude. Well, Good. Mike, uh, thank you for sharing that, that incredible story. I mean, that, that's something else. Um, we're going to take a quick break um, and then uh, we'll come back in and uh, we'll talk to the lovely Sarah Shapiro. And Mike, uh, it, do you mind reloading us here? Oh yeah, Mike. I hope you brought that weed from the res. Down to oh yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, it's uh, Tommy's got his. Uh, well, when you're here, he, he got his medical marijuana card. So I have to come over here and uh, we smoke some. Crazy everything shit I know there, about man. everything I know about the weed business, I learned from Five Dollar Buzz. <laughs> uh, Cannabis episode. <laughs> All right, we'll be right guys. back. Oh, I, guys. I haven't we'll listened to that episode yet. I'm looking forward to it. It's high quality, and uh, just like the high quality bud we got right back here, we'll be right back. back uh roger michael mayor is uh at the ready roger hello buzzards this is roger mayor and i am happy to bring to you miss sarah lou shapiro who has got a, a story to tell about her experience with cancer particularly the kind that only females can generally get i, I guess some males can get it but no they can yes but it's breast cancer and it's probably the most common form of cancer uh, that's out there outside of uh, lung cancer. It's uh, she's going to give us a little bit of uh, her experience. So hi, Sarah. How are you? First of all, I'm good. Thank you for having me. You know, I love you. So, I love you back. Um, so let's talk about that beginning when you first got diagnosed, just like uh, Michael gave us. Give us the uh, experience, how you found out, and uh, give us the story. Okay. Well, I actually felt a lump in my breast in 2013, the beginning. And 
I was living in Santa Clara, California, and I was a corporate executive chef of three dumb restaurants for a dumb boss, but I had insurance. So I went to Kaiser and told them that I want a mammogram. I have this lump and they were horrible with me. They said that I'm too young. I was 42 at the time that I cannot have a mammogram that Kaiser would not cover that. So I had this lump in my breast and felt it getting bigger and bigger. I left Santa Clara, quit that job, moved down to LA and this lump was now the size of an egg. And it was probably about 10 months later after I had first felt it. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. I did not have insurance. So finally I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Planned Parenthood and thank the gods for Planned Parenthood because I went there and they said, gave me a whole list of doctors to go to that I needed to get this lump checked out. So I picked one that was close to me and went to the doctor and I don't know how I felt then. It was a while ago. I was just newly in a relationship. In fact, Kevin and I just moved in with each other January 1st, 2015. 20, or January 15th, 2015 is when I went in to get the results of my biopsy. And Kevin was with me. And so when the doctor said, who'd you come with? And I said, my boyfriend's out there. They said, oh, well, we're going to go and get them. And I was like, oh, fuck. I know what this is going to be. So Kevin came in and he said, you have breast cancer. They couldn't tell if it was one or two because I have such dense breasts. They couldn't see when they did the MRI on exactly how if the cancer had metastasized into my lymph nodes. So they were just kind of saying it's maybe one or two. And I did everything that my doctor had said, just like Mike said, I just went by what the doctors had done. And in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done that, but I am cancer-free. So that's a good thing. Um, so from there I did extensive chemo. I had HER2+, which is what they told me the most common breast cancer around. It survives off estrogen. So being a woman, you've got a lot of estrogen and this is what this cancer eats, feeds off of. So I did six rounds of chemo once every three weeks and it pretty much killed me. The first week was hell. The second week I started feeling a little better. The third week I started feeling great and then I had to go back and do another chemo session. But I did six of those the doctors had told me that it's a 40% chance that it'll shrink the tumor or a 60% chance it'll shrink the tumor. So they want this tumor to shrink so that I can go and have surgery and they can remove it because it was so big. I think it was like six or seven centimeters big, but it felt like an egg inside my breast. So I did the chemo and after the, the six week or it was six months, seven months really of chemo. They tested me again and it had shrunk. It was almost gone. So the chemo worked. It killed me for the, my career and everything else afterwards, but the chemo did the job. And then I had sessions? radiation. I had six sessions once every three weeks. So I had one session. Yeah. Yes. 
and it was difficult. Like I found these, here's some things for the listeners. Sensi Chew, it's a CBD and also has THC, little like Tootsie Roll, but I would eat half of a Sensi Chew and it helped me. It put me to sleep. It cured all of my pain. I had the worst bone pain. The bone pain was the worst. It, I just had constant pain in my thighs from the chemo. Like uh, almost like you could liken it maybe to growing pains as a kid, like that weird, just achy bone pain. No, it was sharp. It was, it, sharp. Was, it was sharp knife inside. Like I had razor oh, blades God. inside yeah. my bones, inside wow. my femurs. It was horrible. Um, Do you credit that, the, the, the access to the cannabis products with, uh, was that crucial to, you, you know, the process of recovery and coping with everything? Because in a lot of States, you know, I, up here in Connecticut was the nefarious infamous uh, Purdue Pharma, which was basically exporting uh, the opioid epidemic to the rest of the world. And, you know, uh, you know, similar to Mike, how he said he had a, uh, it, it was a favorable to his circumstances that it was in New York. It sounds like, is it fair to say that being in California with access oh, yes. to that stuff really helped? Yes, absolutely. I'm a pot smoker anyways. I have been you know, my entire life pretty much. So, but I just had a dispensary. It was actually because I had a dispensary around the corner. So if I felt good, I would walk around the corner to get some exercise. And I, this is where I found these Sensi Chews, these CBD Tootsie Rolls. And I ate a whole one at first and good <laughs> God, don't do that. <laughs> do so you still would, use that product uh, today? I don't, but okay. I do, I do tell since I've been through this, I have helped many people who have also, like I, I had a friend, Valeria, who went through the same cancer that I did. A couple years before me, my friend Rachel went through the same exact cancer. Another friend in New York at the same time was going through breast cancer. And Martha, I helped Martha, you know, also going through breast cancer. So I told them all to do CBD and that the Sensi Chews is what helped me, but everyone's different. And also something that helped me that Roger and I were discussing yesterday is someone had told me, I think it was Eric said that he read online that if you drink ice, ice, lemon water before you get chemo, it will help protect your stomach. So when you get your chemo, they give you a bag full of all sorts of stuff, you know, like uh, antihistamine. So you don't have a reaction and a bunch of other things before they give you your chemo chemicals and they and i was told that bag let that bag go in you and then right before your chemo drink this ice cold lemon water and then you it'll save your stomach and i did not vomit i vomited twice the whole through all of my chemo and i think that was from the lemon water it really helped save my stomach plus you have a real strong aversion to vomiting Yes, I do not like to vomit and I will do everything I can not to vomit. <laughs> are, are there are there listeners out there that do like to vomit? Hello? I don't I don't mind it at all. <laughs> I believe that, Rod. <laughs> I, I, when I used to get drunk. Punk rock would, to the end. <laughs> I, I would throw my fingers down my throat, get it out and go yeah. back drinking. Yeah, I don't like to. I don't know what it is, but you're right. Nobody likes to vomit, but I really hate vomiting. <laughs> But uh, okay, so <clears throat> there is some, you know, 
side effects to chemotherapy, side effects to the medicine. How, so it was how long before let's, let's start, let's talk about the side effects first. So go ahead and somewhere, tell me some of the stuff that happened. So I was tired all the time. I lost sense of taste. I couldn't taste anything and salt. I got fired from a job. So I think I'm kind of a badass. And when I got diagnosed with cancer, I'm like, I'm going to work, you know, chemo's not going to stop me. And at that point in LA, I was tour catering. So I was catering for rock and roll stars. It was a lot of fun. But when I first went back, I had to stop because I could, every time I'd go to work, I'd have to go home. And finally I was just like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm trying to work and I just can't do it. So I stopped working, but then I got a personal chef job and worked for them for a little bit. And they fired me over email. She knew I had cancer, had lost all my hair by then, but because I was making things too salty because I could not taste salt. Taste it. Mm. Mm. So that got me fired from that job. Um, so that was an well, you had a job. To... You had a job right after that, too, where you served Mel Brooks a Coke, right? Oh, man, <laughs> that was so awesome. That was I think that. Yeah, that was that was at the David Lynch thing at the Ace Theater. Yeah, his meditative um, um, retreat thing that he had at the Ace Theater. Yeah, it was something the... something of disruption. Yeah, it wasn't right. meditative. It was something of disruption. But it was part of it was part of his meditative art. But it was chaos and disruption. It was yes, it, uh, yeah. And I met Mel Brooks, and it was awesome. And Blondie was sitting on his lap, and it, it was, was like just a hipster, amazing, a hipster paradise. It was pretty awesome. But anyways, um, af, what else did chemo do to me? Yeah, what do you said that the chemo had some really gnarly side effects too? Come on now. Oh, you want me to talk about that, Raj? <laughs> oh, you went there? No. Uh, okay. That was really interesting. <laughs> no, you don't want to know. Because Roger was asking me, he's like, how many times did you throw up? And I'm like, I did not throw up. I threw I up I wanted to times. know the disgusting stuff. Yeah. So, okay, so because I did not vomit. Let's not offend the pro-vomit, Yeah, everything <laughs> came out the other end. So I shit my <laughs> brains constantly. And it sucked because Kevin and I lived in this tiny one-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. So that was difficult because I was constantly sitting on the toilet. Oh. So, yeah, that sucked. Chemo does not do you good. Roger just had to ask. I know. Thanks, Roger. So when, so when you, so it went down. What color was the vomit? <laughs> no vomit. God damn it. No vomit. No, she started with shitting her brains out. Roger, uh, we're already done with farm to toilet. <laughs> That's true. So Sarah, so when did you actually have? See, levity, guys, levity. So everyone, so we have the um. Uh, excuse me. So when you went, when was it that the lump actually went completely away? So when did it dissipate entirely? At the end of my six sessions of chemo, they do another MRI and put you through that and look and see, and they said, it's almost gone. So what we're going to do is put you in surgery, remove that. And then you're going to go through to radiation. So I had surgery. Oh yes. God, this is coming back to me. I went in and had surgery and they removed the 
part the lump that was in my breast. They also removed all of my lymph nodes on my left-hand side and did not tell me. But then after they have you have the surgery, they test those pieces of skin or whatever that they take out and they saw that there was still some cancer cells in there. So after that surgery, literally the day after my oncologist surgeon says that there's still cancer cells in there. And I'm like, oh, and he's, I'm like, well, if I was your daughter, what would you do? And he was like, I'd put you back in surgery and have another surgery. So seven days after that surgery, I had another surgery wow. where they went, they went back in and took all the tissue around there. Mm. And that time everything was cancer free. That, you were cancer free. Now, couple of and things. And that was seven, nine months after nine I was months. diagnosed January. And then I was cancer free August. Yeah, so I knew, that rolls. I knew that whole time. Yep. That was when I first knew you. Yeah. More or less. So what, one of the things I wanted to ask you about now, <clears throat> the, you talked about your lymph nodes and they took them all away. What does that do to your body? What, what does that mean for you moving forward? Cause that was something I think they should have told you personally. Because so they should have know. told me. Yeah. They didn't tell me a lot of stuff. Like I was 43 when this happened. They didn't tell me that this was going to throw me into menopause and that I wouldn't be able to have children. I was, you know, probably over quote unquote the age to be having children, but the option still would have been nice for them to tell me. And they did not tell me that. So when I stopped having my period, I was very happy. But when I started experiencing hot flashes and all these menopausal things that threw me for a loop too. And that's when they're like, Oh, well, 80% of people who have this chemo that you have become sterile. Oh, well, thanks for telling me that after the fact motherfuckers, Mm. whatever. So, and the lymph nodes, the lymph nodes, I'm sorry, the lymph nodes they took out because I didn't know that they took out all of my lymph nodes. When I ended up doing radiation, my radiation doctor told me, Hey, you know, they took out all of your lymph nodes. And I was like, no. And she's like, I don't understand why they took them all out. So I asked my doctor and he said he took them out because they weren't sure how far the cancer went into my lymph nodes. So just to be safe, they took all of them out and removing all your lymph nodes from your arms. You can get lymphedema, I think it's called. And it's very painful. Your lymph nodes help remove all the toxins and shit from your body and help your blood flow. So I can never give blood from my left arm, which is fine. I have a right arm. But, but it also means, I mean, if you're a drinker, if you do, if you have whatever this and the other, they yeah. help, they help push the toxins and the poisons down to your urine. And that's or out yeah. your underarms, under underarms, sweat it sweat out. It out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's a fucking bummer. I didn't have hair that grew under this arm for many, many years. And I did not sweat under my left arm mm-hmm. for many, many years. In fact, this is the first year I have hair under my arm and I'm kind of excited about it. Do your that's palms awesome. ever get sweaty? Sometimes your palms will get sweaty when uh, that kind of thing will happen. Uh, um, no, not it has, really. Because it has to be released somewhere. You know? right. No, that's yeah. Kevin, not her. Kevin's palms get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> But it's Sarah, just to go back to what you're talking about, uh, about your reproductive uh, issues um, and what they didn't tell you. Uh, I remember a couple days into my uh, be, being diagnosed with, uh, with leukemia at Albany Med and about three days in and I'm pumping all this stuff into me. And I thought to myself, like, is my sperm going to be, you know, what's going on here, you know? 
So I asked my doctor the next day, I said, uh, you know, what, what, what's, uh, what's, the, what's the deal with that? And he said, the nurses haven't talked to you about that yet? Said, yeah, what the well, hell? Well, no. I said, and he said, well, we, we got to, uh, right away, we got to get you, you know. So uh, that's a whole nother fun, pretty funny story. But uh, my, my uh, I have a little uh, sperm sample. Yeah, I got some samples <laughs> in the freezer down in Albany. You, they had you pay 500 bucks sperm. a year. Yeah, yeah. That's, they had you, see, they that's had what they should do. Wow. We got to get everyone. you down. They, they, they had the I'm nurse help you? What, that, what you. was that? <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm glad I asked because if I hadn't asked, yeah. uh, you know. Hell yeah. It's like, yeah, because if you want kids, you can just. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, 13 years them. later, I'm paying $500 a year for these kids who haven't shown up. These motherfuckers better show up, man. There's a lot of money that I dished out for these kids. Man. And when they get raised, they better take care of you. <laughs> That's right. <damn> <laughs> hey, so, so one last thing, um, Sarah. You uh, mentioned that you'd wish you had gotten a second opinion. You said you had talked to a friend and she had some advice for you that was pretty cut and dry, pretty punk rock, actually, straightforward compared to what the doctors ended up doing. Why don't you enlighten us on that? I will. So I wasn't sure exactly what to do. And I was just going by what the doctors had said. And uh, one of my really good friends, Jennifer Caraway, has a nonprofit where she feeds homebound cancer patients because you all, you know, now these, your guests know, your listeners know that most people are going to be homebound or in a hospital or with a friend. And so Jennifer created this nonprofit to feed homebound cancer patients with healthy meals. And it's not just food, it's also, you know, they visit and, you know, become friends. So she's had a bunch of experience dealing with a bunch of different cancers. And she tells me, cut them off, just have a double mastectomy, reconstruct and do it. Don't even go through chemo. Don't go through chemo. Mm -hmm. Chemo is hard on you. It kills you. And at that point in my life, I was so, I mean, I really liked my breasts. I, I, I was looking for a way to keep my breasts and kill the cancer. So I didn't listen to her. But in hindsight, I wish I had listened to her because the chemo, I have osteoporosis now. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have uh, the beginnings of emphysema. I have like everything mm-hmm. that I had after chemo, everything that I had did, you know, with my career, I was a chef for 25 years and standing on my feet. Now I can't stand on my feet for 30 minutes without being in dire pain. So I had to retire. So get a second opinion because in California, they do it differently. I had friends in New York who had the same cancer and their doctor did not put them through chemo. Their doctor did a double mastectomy and reconstruction and they are fine and they're, they don't have to live with the aftermath of chemo. So definitely get a second opinion. And the reconstruction t- surgery out there it is they, you're doing wonders because they can really make it just almost like you really had your original breasts. That's, yeah. Now really they're doing it. Insight. Yeah. Now they, they can do double mastectomy before they would take your nipples. Now you can keep, they have ways where you can keep your nipples and I don't know, being a woman, it's huge. Pete, you remember when I lost my hair, that was the hardest. When I lost my hair, that just threw me for a loop and Pete Liska, (laughs) the 
the man, the legend, set up this party and he he bought everything. He bought a GoPro, whatever you bought, and shavers. And we went over there and he shaved my head. And I'm telling you, I was a new woman. I felt like I was just going to crawl under a rock. Just you were badass looking that way. You were, you know, you I were, definitely like that you. look. That was, thank you. Were, you. Sinead O'Connor didn't have anything on you, man. <laughs> well, people told me I had a perfect bald head and I didn't know it until I was yeah. bald. And I love being bald. Kevin wants me bald for the wedding. I'm like, uh, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah, did you have, end up having the other one removed or is that even a possibility now? Or So I had a partial mastectomy where they just took the lump out and everything around there. And they're calling that a partial. I have my other breast and I guess I have my left breast too. It's just kind of half gone. Um, I had asked my doctor about that. I was like, Hey, what if right now we just do a double mastectomy? And he's like, that's too, he thought that was just crazy talk. I, so I've heard I, of people doing it that are, that are healthy and just have it in the family. That Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My sister-in-law is doing that. She has to have a full hysterectomy and she's going to have to have a double mastectomy too, because she has all the cancer markers. I took, I did all the cancer markers and I have zero. I'm just lucky, I guess. This may be naive of me to say, but I mean, I've heard of situations where you have breast cancer in your family and it's so far underneath the tissue that doctors might not even find it. That's actually why they, in some cases, they say, you're a high candidate for this, go for it. Because I mean, it can really be next to your heart. That's how buried and deep the cancer could actually be. I don't know if there's a lot of truth That's absolutely, that. there is, that is. I have a girlfriend now who had breast cancer, survived breast cancer, got breast cancer again, and they can't take it out because it's so into her chest cavity. But they have every year they come up with new drugs. She's on a chemo pill. That doesn't, it makes her tired for a couple of days and that's it. And she goes to work and does everything normal. So hopefully it works and gets rid of the cancer. Now I feel do you go, good. Do you go to the doctor? Do they, uh, do you go to every, appointments? Yes. Every six months I get oh, a good. mammogram and an ultrasound. Yeah. Good. And, oh, you know, another thing they wanted me to take this pill called tamoxifen and it's an estrogen blocker because of my type of cancer. And I was on that. They wanted me to take it for 10 years and I was Ooh. on it. Yeah. For a year and a half, but I didn't feel like chemo was over. I should have been starting to get better. And I just felt like I was doing chemo every day from this pill. So I stopped taking it. And now I feel like a hundred bucks. Good. So that's great. Great. Yeah. I just stopped taking the pill. My doctor still sees me and keeps me on the insurance, even though I don't take the pill. I'm supposed to take that pill to be on insurance, but I don't. Sarah, I have one quick question um, about chemo. I remember um, you're of all my friends and people I've known in my life, family and friends that have gone through chemo. You're the first one that I ever noticed that they installed this port type thing. Could you, it, well. it, that's what the, so mike you had to have that as well i didn't know yeah. that's the it's a very that's a very interesting i don't know if that's a common practice or is that anybody that goes through chemo they have to get this thing i think it's I, easier i might in four years yeah they wanted me to keep mine for another year in case cancer came back but i said no take that shit out it's very intrusive and i think they do that because they what they 
remember mine was up on my shoulder, you know, my upper chest, and they put a little tube in through a vein in your neck that goes right to your heart. Mm -hmm. And then it spreads out through your body. And instead of trying to find a vein when you're, you know, getting this chemo, the port is just easier and it's a straight line to your heart to produce it, to spread it everywhere. Straight to everywhere. Wow. Yep. Jesus. Mine was was in for four years and now it's, uh, I, I kept mine. It's hanging. It's a Christmas ornament every year. It hangs on my Christmas tree. It's a little, my purple port. It. It's awesome. That's punk rock. <laughs> That's great. I hated mine. I, they wouldn't let me keep it. I didn't want it. Get rid of that shit. Oh, I was like, come on. I want that. It was with me for four Good. years. It's my little buddy. It's your little there buddy. You go. That's right. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank Sarah Shapiro for uh, giving us her experience and her time. And you know, as us, there, it was awesome. The buzzards here, you know, our show, we always go soup to nuts, but in this case, we're gonna go from breast to nuts. So next we have Town Glasgow. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. Stepping up to the mic is the one and only Roger Mayer, buzzard Ooh. extraordinary. Ah, thank you very much. And with that, I'm going to introduce one George Cursar out there in uh, Stamford, Connecticut. George, hey Roger, are they are they all here? Well, fuck it, I'm going anyway. <coughs> is that Glasgow? Is that is that Glasgow? Is that you? You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You know, Tom and I, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn, yeah, there's a, Tom and I have a couple of bits that we always do. Uh, there's always a lot of humor. Put and, uh, that coffee down. And a little bit of fact about that sequence that was the only part that was not written in the play, it was written specifically for Alec Baldwin just for the movie. I gotta say, it's probably one of the finest, uh, 20 minutes or 10, however long it is, 10 minutes of uh, cinema. How about when he, when he reprises it and the SNL sketch when, yeah. he, when he's the elf? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Tom and I've had uh, I a lot that. of humorous, uh, a lot of humor over the years. And Tom, uh, you know, uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about your journey. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. But there's something I always wanted to say, you know, uh, after you get done talking about the big C, maybe you could talk a little bit about your thoughts on Gordy Howe. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> Sports always have to find a way in here. Always, George. George, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Dr. Giambi, I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tom, uh, you know, I think it was was it 2009 or so? Uh, yes. Where uh, you were living out in Rhode Island, and uh, you know, why don't I shut up and you tell uh, the listeners uh, how it went for you? Well, uh, not too good, uh, George. I got one last nut, you know. Uh, I uh, definitely have the funniest of the cancers uh, of this show. I just adopt the cap to the two uh, previous. It's just a, I got, uh, I witnessed Mike's entire journey and uh, it was, uh, it's inspirational what, what he's been through. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, just hell and back. Um, and Sarah, really uh, incredible story yourself mine is 
um, there's like you said at the beginning of the show, a lot of different kinds of cancers. And this is the one you want to get. As long as it's addressed quickly, uh, it's survival rate is probably near 100%, you know, and uh, I was running on a treadmill in 2009 and which is rare for me. I was exercising. This is great. I can actually tell for the a story. Marathon? It was after the marathon, man. It, it, you know, but he, I'm going to came in 18,000th place. I cut it out of the New York Times. But, I gave it 18,400. Uh, finally, <laughs> no uh, white frat boy uh, drunk story, blackout story, uh, Roger. So you'll be happy that I'll <laughs> tell a story about exercise. I was exercising and I felt my uh, nut uh, rubbing up against my leg. I got big balls, but they're not that big. <laughs> and uh, I went home and it was, I had almost overnight, it seemed, turned the, the right one, uh, I'm sorry, the left one uh, into the size of a racquetball. It was stretching the skin and uh, it was numb. It was completely like, you know, if you flicked your ball as hard as you could, it would it would hurt a lot. And it would, this was like nothing, you know. Um, and so I was, this is strange, you know? And uh, uh, I showed Allison, my wife, and uh, she said, yeah, that's, that's really strange. And, uh, <laughs> you know, similar to the stories that Mike and Sarah told, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of two lanes to it. There's no, there's no black and white, it's all gray, right? Like you have good experiences through these things, you have bad experiences through these things. And th so I had bad, a bad experience. I went to the doctor, and he said, I, you have an infection. It's, here's some antibiotics. And uh, I took these antibiotics for 10 days. And obviously nothing changed because uh, you're not supposed to fight those with antibiotics. And um, I went back and, and I read online everything that I read about it. And, you know, I was a WebMD. I'm a dope. I don't know anything about anything. But it sounded like testicular cancer, you know. Uh, numbness, my age, uh, you know, the whole bit sounded like testicular. I'm no doctor, but you know, I, it's not an infection. So I went back and, and uh, they, they sent me over to a, a, a x-ray place and the x-ray place said, no, you, you're, you're good. You know, and uh, took some more pills. I, this something's not right. I went back. I said, this is, this, this. I was also uh, another uh, lesson to the listeners. I didn't have a primary doctor. I was, it was a walk-in clinic. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know. It's a big difference. It, yeah, very big to get, get a primary care position. And uh, uh, finally, they sent me to a urologist who uh, did, did a, uh, like, an ultrasound like you do on a pregnant person on, my, on the ball. And, uh, and, you know, 20 minutes later was, um, you know, like Sarah said, pulling him in, my office, in his office and, closing the door and <laughs> uh oh this isn't good and uh right once the door gets shut yeah yeah not not a good sign <laughs> and uh you know and uh, he took my breath away you know he told me i had cancer and that it needed to be removed immediately that was on a friday and uh and monday i was having surgery to have it removed so there wasn't a lot of time to wrap my mind around what was happening and actually i had company coming in from out of town my my good friend and and co-worker uh and the guy i grew up in plastic with uh, i think pete you played soccer with shell hokinson was coming oh, up from yeah, yeah yeah so he was coming up that night friday night on a bus picking him up downtown providence and uh you know he's he's en route you know, he's coming uh and so it was a it was a surreal weekend um and 
you know, that misdiagnosis, uh, you know, I've, it happened with my mother. And I think, you know, Sarah mentioned getting a second opinion and you realize when you go through something like this, that there's no one, you got to be your own advocate because no one's going to knock on your door and be like, Hey, are you sure? Are you okay? You know? Uh, so you know, your body and you should listen to your body and you should seek help when you think there's something wrong with it. Um, but on the other side of the coin and I wouldn't be here, they wouldn't be here without these incredible, uh, healthcare workers who are, uh, absolute miracle workers that, um, thank God for them, you know, uh, without them. My respect for nurses went through the roof. I mean, I, I didn't have much hospital experience before all this. And then, uh, the nurses run the show and they, it's, unbelievable what what nurses do really is tom you know so i have it right this whole situation took you a weekend well Uh, that was the the it's really uh cookie cutter as far as treatment goes the step one is the removal and that's 99 percent. but there wasn't another option like they were saying you you're you're losing your testicle that's what's happening oh there's no not only is it happening it's happening real soon it's happening yeah because it would have spread exactly got you exactly so testicular cancer is extraordinarily treatable as long as you treat it and that's why a lot of it happens with young men and so if a guy in his 20s is embarrassed or you know i don't want to go to the doctor that's when things go bad because then that's what it spreads which brings up the thing you're pounded it's pounded in our heads early detection early Early detection i mean you guys can scream it from the rooftops it's early detection is same same with prostate cancer nowadays it's it's a very important uh When, when i think of sarah's situation where you know she had lost the, the job and and now it's i know there's a i, I can feel it it's in there but i don't want to go i i, I didn't I know where to go what do you do what do you what, what, what do you do and that's like horrifying that you yeah. would need to even think it's crazy oh, that you thought to go to planned parenthood well i know i it seems like i got breast cancer but hmm, should i go get it you know how would i navigate i that? didn't know what else to do planned parenthood is the only place that yeah. i could think of right. yeah as a yeah, woman I, that you would trust for on and honest, at least at least they would point you in your in the right direction. You maybe thought, right? Yeah. Well, I had been because I've been someone who's had been off and on of insurance or whatever. I've gone to Planned Parenthood, you know, for yearly woman exams or what have you, whatever's going on. So that's where I chose to go, and they literally gave me a page full of doctors and treatment places to go to to call and see if they can help. And, and I it, called one by my house and they, that doctor's office, they got me on insurance. I got on Medi-Cal and they are the ones who put me on Medi-Cal. So that was kind of rad. I didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hate Planned, to... Planned Parenthood in New York is, is especially up in the East coast. <clears throat> it's uh, under auspices, what's called title 10. And I know that it's a big proponent, especially in the East coast. I don't know how much it spreads or how, well they have oversight in california but i'm glad that you were able to have access to that i know planned parenthood has always been on it the, was uh, out here roger it was it's, here. Al- it's always been on the firing line you know return you know with the red tape with the particularly republicans but the uh the fact that title 10 is so strong in the east coast that's a it's a solid 
I, I endorse Planned Parenthood pretty significantly. Absolutely. I do too. I do too. And I tell my story all the time, like Planned Parenthood found my cancer. They helped get, you know, me to cure my cancer. I am always <laughs> going to stand with Planned Parenthood. So fuck anyone who does it. Agreed. I think that's one of those. I think there's, I think you could make an argument against Democrats and Republicans on different things on their platform that just are, don't make sense. But the, the argument against Planned Parenthood is, is completely cuckoo to me. You got, it's, they are, these people are wonderful. Seems ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of my first ever. It's a waste plan, of time. First yeah. time I ever saw a Planned Parenthood uh, was in Plattsburgh, New York, a freshman year at college. Tom and I drove over there to, uh, from Potsdam to Plattsburgh to buy fish tickets. And uh, on our way back, we're cruising through town and Tom rolls down his window and goes, <laughs> watch this. He goes, he drives by this building. There's these people outside, like marching, like holding signs. He goes, fuck you, you pieces of shit. Get a life, God damn it, <laughs> I go, what was that? He goes, oh, there's idiots out in front of Planned Parenthood. They're there all the time. So every time we drive by, we just scream at them. I, I screamed at them every time I every time I drove past Planned Parenthood. There's people outside. What the fuck kind of person is going to harass a get young the girl fuck out of here, dude. to figure her life Jeez. out? Like, get the Jesus. fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, they don't know her situation. Yeah. These yeah. people need jobs. It's their beliefs. It's their, you, you're going oh, against their beliefs. So, dear God. Yeah. Um, well, that's the most political we've gotten on uh, Five Dollar Buzz. <laughs> So that's pretty good. I'm excited about that. You know, it's uh, more crazy frat boy behavior, Roger. Guys, in, guys in shorts I and football. Apologize in advance. <laughs> so, Tom, real quick, Wait. you know, but my my father has uh, he had testicular has still has testicular cancer, and he had it caught it when he was in his late 70s, and really? they got it. Yeah, he got it. Uh, into it, uh, they got it. <clears throat> he was cured of it. And then it came back and the new course of, uh, of, of action is to not do anything about it at all. They said that he will die of natural causes before the testicular cancer will finish him off. So they what? not, so they, I, they I've heard that. of this. Yeah. So because he's 81 now and I've heard of it eight, too. I think 80, it's he'll brilliant. Be 80, he'll be 80 or no, he's 80 now. And yeah, they just said that you will die of natural causes before it kills you. So we're not going to, the chemo will fuck you up more yeah. than just letting it yeah, it's take its quality course. of life. Yeah, yeah. That's it is. It is. It makes sense. There's, I'm sure, a mathematical equation that they know that. Yeah. I know my uncle um, similarly uh, was diagnosed with cancer and they said, no, nope, you're, you're good. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, he dropped out of a heart attack a couple of years later, but not certainly not from the cancer. So, wow. Yeah. Mike, um, you said something about, you know, um, not to make light of the situation, but do you think that uh, you were getting well taken care of because they saw that you had uh, a degree from SUNY in archaeology? Do you think that's like, hey, we got to take care of this guy? What? So, at, at first, it's a good it question, Joyce. He's got to work as soon as That's a valid Every question. It's a no. valid question. I love the SUNY. Um, it was funny. At first, they, it was questionable. They were like, I don't know about this guy. You know, like, eh, are we going to take him or not? They're like, they listen, we got to do everything we can to protect they, the archaeology they my, community. They check my paperwork. They're like, this guy's got a bachelor in arts. In anthropology, Anthropology. Potsdam. <laughs> like, dude, I got put, the best room in the fucking hospital. We got to oh keep this guy God. alive. 
You can cure shit. cancer. Sometimes. This guy got a 4.0 in riddles of the past. But in what about learning to burn? Learning to burn, of course. Um, but you know, uh, uh, and Tom, I really will hang up and listen after this. This is really like the one question that uh, I've been meaning to ask. And Pete, I know that um, we've, you know, this is kind of. You said it's kind of come up a couple of times, and just especially in the time period when uh, all of you folks were going through, uh, you know, your, uh, you know, medical journey, it seems like no one was prescribed, uh, you know, hardcore pharmaceuticals or opioids or addictive pills is it, it, how do you, why do you guys think you guys kind of escaped that? Because I think at that point in time, they were kind of just handed it out pretty freely to anyone that was you know for much lesser actually Mm -hmm. they did give me percocet to help with the pain but i'm not a big pill taker yeah i'm not neither am i i told them like they gave me at one point they gave me one of them hydro or something i don't know yeah i'm like i don't I can, I can deal with the pain or whatever in different ways. I don't want to, I'm not a pill guy. And yeah, I had some minor surgery and, um, during that, you know, the early 2010s, I guess you would call them the 2010s. And, uh, yeah, they were given, they gave me something and, you know, the, the bottle got, uh, drained pretty quickly. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I could really see how, you know, people, Mm are gonna because your tolerance really does build up really quickly like mm-hmm. after a while you're ripping down two or three of those things and like I'm, oh yeah i could go for more right now and uh you know luckily for me i'm just you know like you know i that's not something i'm going to spend a whole hell of a lot of time uh doing but i could totally see how that would be like a vicious cycle for some folks you know especially if they were in pain so i'm really glad that you guys kind of uh, weren't exposed to that type of stuff. And if Roger you have any, got all my Percocets. I was going to say, if you have any <laughs> left over, please give me my address after the show. Crush them up and uh, put them on, no, uh, no. on the uh-uh. next $5 buzz. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm so, happy you guys are all cured and good to see your faces. Yeah. Well, Tom, Tom, one last question. I have. So I, because you went through, uh, well, you, you had the, uh, the testicle removed. Yes. You didn't really have to go through any further drugs or chemo or anything I, along those lines. I, I went through radiation. radiation. I did take a um, a very, um, you know, compared to what these two went through, it, it was very mild, uh, low dose radiation just to make sure everything was was gonzo on the like the lining of the the scrot, as the the professionals say. And uh, <laughs> is that what they say? Is that what they say? That's not what they. That's not what they. They say them. But uh, like Dr. Yeah, they, very mild, But I worked through it. It was very uh, recovering from the surgery was as you know uh, difficult as anything I went through. And that was a uh, uh, they they made an incision actually on my abdomen and and took it out through my abdomen like like oh, you like you like you do a hernia. That's strange. Um, yeah, and. Uh, I got to keep it, which was really cool. I, I let me get it for you. Does it hang you on liar. your Christmas tree? You're yeah, such no. a fibber. But as as uh, as uh, as uh, Ray Charles, it's hanging on the back uh, of my truck. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, how about those? I want to get one, one with a one. one. I want. I do. I do want. I tell Alice. I'm gonna find you one. More on chocolate balls, and I'm like, I want to get one. But as Ray Charles once said, I still got the right one, baby. So, and you're able to still have children if you ever wanted to. And so it's it, interesting. Great question, Roger. That was my first question to the doctor. Like, hey, doc, you know, I was a young man. I, I you know, my, can I still have kids? And he said, yes. You can. You you only need one testicle to have children and uh it did take uh alice and i um pr- almost a year uh but we got pregnant and and uh, uh we had a miracle baby uh thomas who uh uh thank god he was he was uh in that one last ball and uh <laughs> uh it was amazing because after that we when we attempted to have a second child uh we found out that i am like zero uh zero point zero as they say and uh so that was, um, you know, uh, weird. I like, so I don't need That's a, a vasectomy. I don't need yeah. a vasectomy. And he's like, what you, what you have right now is like a vasectomy. So it's a miracle that I was able to have one. But I did, like Mike, put mine on ice. So I do still have sperm out there, uh, Ray kicking around, uh, <laughs> ready to go and need to break, break glass Legend. in case of emergency, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, through the whole thing, it, it, this is, you know, trying to bring some levity to it you know when you go to get you know to drop your sperm off you know you go into the doctor's office and they give you the, uh, the thing they go all right room number four over there you know and then you know okay just masturbate into the you know they use technical words like that i would say jerk off but they say <laughs> masturbate and uh, uh masturbate into this and then and then you know the whole bit so but, but uh god bless those people that work there because uh they have you know, pictures all over the wall of children that have been born uh, because of these wonderful doctors that and nurses that uh, that do that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's uh, it, it is pretty amazing. But, yeah, it's unusual to find yourself in these in these doctors offices. It's a weird journey. Well, zero point yeah. zero. Now that you have I, one last question, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But are you still able to have like a an emission? A normal emission? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm having one right now. Yeah. <laughs> and and the feeling still the, the feeling's still the same and everything else. Everything's yes. great. No, yeah, okay. no. Like uh, I know people I'm, ask that question. So. Uh, uh, strong like important question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I get hard. I have sex and I ejaculate. That's great. That's a very That's all you not always in that order. <laughs> Well, I, I think, you know, Tom, I think we, we pretty much hit, you know, hit your story pretty well. Right. I think yeah. we're there. And well, yeah. just- a, a funny side story to Tom uh, when he was diagnosed. This was in March of 09. I, I was back home for two months by then, uh, just kind of getting back on my feet and down in Saratoga uh, having dinner with, on my birthday, March 13th, 2009 bunch of friends like, hey, you know, great to be up and around and hanging out with everybody. My cell phone rings while we're uh, hanging out and having dinner. So I stood up. Oh, it's, it's my buddy, Tom. You know, go up and stand up, walk away. Tommy's going to wish me a happy birthday or whatever. And hey, what's going on, man? And he's like, hey, uh, this is on my birthday. Now, right, this is six months after all my shit went down. He goes, uh, hey, uh, something to tell you, man. Uh, I have cancer. What the fuck? I mean, just, just the circumstances were 
a proverbial Absolutely. a proverbial kind of, passing kind of, of the baton in this weird right but it's just way. kind of way, kind of the way it worked you know it's like holy shit he calls me on my birthday then the, the following year to tell me that now he has cancer and i said to him my hey dude I can't run a fucking marathon for you. I wish <laughs> I could. Oh man, I wish I could, man. I, if I made it half a mile, I'd be amazed. Uh, <laughs> did you write him at least three letters? Because it was every three day. days later. Every day, he got he got two two he every did. day. He did. He did. <laughs> Great stuff. Oh, well, man. that was really wonderful stuff, guys. And now I just want to kind of go around and see if anybody's got anything special you want to say. You know, I. I just real quick, I want to relate. You guys talked about nurses. A good friend of mine uh, was a nurse at a children's cancer ward. And if there's any job that's probably harder on the planet, mm -hmm. it's because you don't, you, it's hard not to get involved with children and, you know, get, have a relationship with them, even, you know, when you're treating them. And she said she did it for about a couple of years and it did that almost just destroyed her just oh. almost yeah so give it up to the nurses who, who do that day in day out and most you know, yeah, that's, yeah you gotta have metal you got i mean i i remember one night i i shit all over the myself all over the bed all over the room like i could i was in such bad shape i didn't know and she comes in and she clean just like one in the morning cleans it up no problem yeah, don't worry about it no, no problem I'm like thank you so much you know and she put me back into bed like i had kind of fallen out it was and Aww. it's just, I mean, that's one small example of just, this is, and it's their job. They don't, it's, it's no problem. Yep, yep. This is where I'm, this is why I'm here. And I, at least it's slow. I mean, it's slow. I've been to other hospitals uh, in between for different procedures, but Sloan Kettering, they're so professional that it's almost like they do training ahead of time. Like you're going to be dealing with people who are going through crazy shit. So, you know, mm -hmm. all the I mean, uh, all guys, all I want to do is I, I just want to put a punctuation mark on uh, one term that you hear a lot associated with cancer and one takeaway we can, we can all, you know, enjoy from this is early detection. Mm. You know, don't yeah. be, don't be worried. Don't you, something's amiss. Go in, get it checked out. It's your yeah. only chance. It's a, it's I, if for, I had waited know. another week or two, I don't think things would have, you know, yeah. like things were wrap getting your head bad around that. fast. Wrap your, like, uh, you know, wrap your head around that. That's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, I and mean. the PCP, right? Get a PCP. Oh. Primary heavy. care physician. Yeah. Oh, well, that too. That kind and of horse tranquilizer. <laughs> <laughs> PCP. <laughs> I think staying positive too. Some people, when you get diagnosed yeah. with cancer, it's, oh, you know, doom and dread. But if you go into it thinking I'm going to beat it and this is, isn't going to take me, it can change your whole perspective. I think that's, that's what I did anyways. 100% true, Sarah. You can't, it is, that is absolutely 100% true. You got to have it up here. You got to have it up here. You know, and you look around and no matter how bad your situation is, there's, there's other people who are in a much worse situation than you. So are. true. That's exactly and right. Somebody's always got it worse. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if, if you can put one step forward the next day and keep doing that, that as each day follows, you, you're doing, you're doing great. Yeah. The little train that could. Any final thoughts guys? Yeah. I would just like to say, um, you know, I've lost some friends and family from cancer. I think everybody has. And uh, 
we just wanted to acknowledge our friend Jamin Osborne, whose brother's Jared is currently going through uh, his struggle, his journey right now. So we wanted to send some positive vibes to him. And I also wanted to just say that uh, I think it's, you know, it, it should get be, be said every day that the frontline healthcare workers should uh, really be uh, held in the highest regards because uh, they're going above and beyond. And you guys tonight have uh, put an accent on that. And, um, you know, we really appreciate all the nurses, the doctors, the everybody from the security guards, the janitors, everybody that works in a healthcare facility, you know, it's a team effort. It's like a family vibe. And, uh, you know, those guys, those folks are really uh, putting themselves at risk. They're away from their family. And a lot of times these, folks have to pull doubles and you, and you, you guys here know better than anyone that, you know, sometimes these folks are up and they got to be on point at two, 3 AM, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, sometimes somebody calls in sick and, you know, at 3 AM, you get a tap on the shoulder and you say, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta work. And they just do it. And uh, mm-hmm. they're really doing, uh, as they say, God's work. So especially uh, for the last year and a half. Of, of course and and beyond man because you know yeah. no one quite understands uh what's coming down the road and uh i would also say if anybody out there that hears this knows someone that's going through some struggle or needs some help you know feel free to reach out to us and uh we're happy to you know i know mike tom and sarah would be happy to provide some words of wisdom in any small way they can. And Roger's going to take us out with how to uh, get a hold of us. But uh, yeah, if we, anything we can do to help, let us know. And uh, that's really what we're trying to do is um, just, you know, be a resource for people. I know, you know, uh, we uh, had some serious talk, but, you know, we goofed around a little bit and, and I'm glad that we're all here to goof around, you know, yeah. Uh, and you guys all look great. And I'm just happy that we're all here and get to goof off. And some people don't get to do that. So, uh, Raj, maybe you just take us out with, uh, the, the details on, Absolutely. You know, feel free to reach out to us anytime. And that's, that's what we're here to do. Spread positive vibes in the universe mm-hmm. and, uh, talk about Gordy Howe on another show, right? Tom? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> time. Well yeah, put, George, well put, man. Well, it'll put. be on the $10 buzz. <laughs> so I, I dedicate. I dedicate this episode to my mother who lost her life to lung cancer. Um, I didn't know her very well for the last 30 years of my life, but that's how she went out, found out over Facebook. So remember, always try to reach out to those that, uh, that you know and love. So anybody who has any comments or questions or any topics or guests that they would like to put on a show or would like to reach out to us regarding cancer or like to find out how to get some more help, please email us at $5buzz, and that's F-I-V-E-D-O-L-L-A-R-B-U-Z-Z, all spelled out, $5buzz at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Thank you. Peace.